All right, praise God. Um, you know, uh, as introduction, I will say that this morning I was in a devotional reading and um, just praying, and uh, the author was writing about the fact that everything in this world will discourage us. And the fact that um, things are getting worse when we um, buy flowers or you know, cut the flowers off the stem, um, they will inevitably die. They're not gonna last forever. That's why I buy um, special flowers that last longer when I give them to my wife, <laughs> you know, to prolong the life of the flowers. Sorry, yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, but um, they will eventually die. Um, it's sad. There are things in our life, we get older, and one of the facts that I learned is that our nose as we get older grows. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> Didn't you dream about that all your life? You know, that your nose would get bigger. Um, just a fact, but that, that, that's, that's a fact. You know, our ears grow bigger as we grow older. You know, praise the Lord, they don't grow fast, you know, faster than, you know, we develop. But um, we, the basic point, we're not becoming more beautiful in a physical sense. The second law of thermodynamics says that, you know, everything, energy, is, is dwindling down, it's losing its strength, right? It's, it's, it's never coming back to the same state. It converts to a different state and things decay. Um, and the point that this author was making is that this is all on purpose, that we don't look for happiness and, and satisfaction here on earth that we would realize looking at the things and at the things that we lose and the people that, that come and go and friends that sometimes leave us and, and betray us, that we would not look at, uh, at the world, um, that we would look at the world and understand that this is not it. This is not what we were predestined for. This is not what God designed us for. There is something more awaiting us. There is someone who is perfect. There is a place that is perfect where flowers never fade, where friendship never disappoint, where there's someone who never changes. And that was so encouraging. You know, this, in the midst of all the discouraging news and all the discouraging things that happened in the world, where people die, where people um, treat it um, in a very evil way, where there is deceit, there is, there is, there's death, there is pain, there's a lot of um, tears. All of this should make us look toward the one who is coming to make things right. And that was encouraging. Isn't that encouraging? That there is one 
who is coming to make things right, who will bring all things in order, and who will restart the cycle of this earth. I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to the thousand years of reign with Christ. When there's going to be a new earth, when there's going to be, you know, a child playing with a snake, um, a lion walking with, you know, a sheep. It's a beautiful sight. <laughs> when you're not afraid to walk in the middle of the night into the deepest woods because, you know, nothing is going to happen to you. <laughs> but um, that's just a little bit of... Um, imagination there, but that's what is um, awaiting those who love the Lord. My topic today, um, actually Stan, thank you for your word, uh, already covered uh, a lot of it. Um, uh, praise the Lord, you know, speaking of the heart and where our heart is. And my topic today, <clears throat> I wanted to share a little bit in, in the few minutes that I have about stewardship or management. And now I'm not going to give you a lesson on, on how to be a good manager. Um, <clears throat> but um, this is what Christ was talking about um, in his parable that we read in Luke chapter 12. There was actually four parts of um, four passages or four different angles that he looked at um, at the heart where our heart is. And he urged us to do something and to certain things that we should never do or shouldn't be doing. I'm going to read this story real quick before we dive into the scripture. Um, a wealthy elder in the church once, um, uh, there was a wealthy, uh, there was a person in the church that was very generous and he was asked if he is not afraid of becoming a beggar of the abundance of gifts that he gave to other people. And he said, uh, he replied, not at all. I shovel out and God shovels in. And he uses a bigger shovel than I do. And God started the shoveling first. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Love that example. You know, God started the shoveling first. Even before I was born, he started shoveling. So when I am here, you know, the life would be good for me, right? We had parents. We had everything we needed to be where we're at right now. And um, praise the Lord for that. You know, I realized looking at my kids, that they don't have a clue what it takes to to feed them, you know, to, to clothe them, to, to do all kinds of things for them, for them just to take it for granted. Praise the Lord, they, they learn how to say thank you, and that's encouraging, but um, they don't realize really what it takes, right, uh, for me to, to provide. Same thing, but I don't think we fully understand what it takes for God um, to spin the universe and to provide for us. Maybe it doesn't take that much energy, but it takes a lot of love. To be patient with me, to be patient with us, 
to be patient with the world. That is, most of the time, going against his will. And so our scripture today is Luke chapter 12. Um, and I particularly would like to focus on the last parable about the faithful and wise manager. Uh, here we go, verse uh, Luke 12, 41. Luke chapter 12, verse 41. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Uh, meaning the previous parable where Jesus was talking about being ready. Jesus seemingly ignores his question and asks another question. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give to them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he, he, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And the servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. You know, the Bible is always has the positive and the negative. It's inevitable that in the world there is the positive and there is the negative. And sometimes, you know, people um, focus on the negative a lot and preach about the negative a lot to get a certain point across. And it's all true. It's all true. It's all biblical from the Bible. And then there is the positive, where some people focus only on the positive and say, you know, all you need to do is say this and you're good for the rest of your life. You know, you're, you're saved um, and so on and so forth. And we always focus, and people only focus on the positive, which makes us permissive. And if you only focus on the negative, makes you fearful. I believe that the Bible is truly a double-sorted edge. It states that, um, that the scripture is a double-sorted edge. So is the gospel is a double-sorted edge, right? Where it is able to save me, and at the same time, the gospel will condemn other people that do not accept the good message, that do not accept Christ. So it is, it has its positive side and it has its negative side. So 
so is with, uh, with, the script, with this passage that we're going to be looking at. There is a positive and there is a negative. And you can look at it and say, oh, Jesus is coming. And, uh, well, what kind of sermon, uh, servant or manager I am? I'm a bad manager. Uh, you know, I'm going to be in trouble. Or we can look at it and say, well, I'm not bad. I'm not that bad, okay? You know, I, you know, I tithe and I, I do this. And my, you know, clothing is, is, is fine. I wear, you know, nice things to church. And I'm not a stumbling block and this and that. And we can justify ourselves and so on and so forth. I think the point, the main idea of this passage is that Jesus is coming back. It's a healthy look at things that Jesus is coming back. And he wants to see people that wait for him and that work for him. I think that's kind of the main idea of this passage. Is that Jesus Christ, as we see here, I'm coming quickly, and we respond, come, Lord Jesus. Amen? Um, Jesus is coming back, and he wants to see people that wait for him and that work for him. You know, personally, um, personally, myself, I am struggling with management. One of the reasons I'm preaching to you today is because I'm reminding myself. Uh, I'm reminding myself that I need to be a better manager of resources that God gives me daily. Um, as a follower of Christ, as a son of my parents, as a husband, as a father, as the member of my church, and as a citizen of my country, I need to manage what I am given properly. And I too struggle in areas of accountability, you know, chasing vain hobbies, looking at nice cars or wasting time online, like reading the news, you know, things like that. Uh, I do uh, do those things. Um, and um, we all struggle in this area. We all struggle. Statistically, people spend, you know, just a lot of time online looking at screens. Uh, particularly, American teens spend nine hours a day with digital technology, entertaining themselves with streaming video, listening to music, playing games, and so on. Nine hours. Nine hours. That's, that's a lot of time, right? I know that's not talking about us. We're good. We're you know we're keeping it, we're keeping it in a good uh, range, you know under eight hours or so and and so on. Um, but um, the reality is that we all um, have some kind of a way of looking at things and justifying, or we're saying, well, yeah, I wish I could do better in this area, right? Uh, same thing goes for spending money. Some things we shouldn't be buying, but we're still buying them. Uh, some spend hours in front of the mirrors, looking, you know, at ourselves. Some spend time in relationships, talking to people that we never plan to get married to. That's vanity. <clears throat> That's a waste of time. So what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible, and I mentioned just a few areas, you know, um, but what does the Bible say about this? How do we deal with this? How do we manage what we are given properly? How do we live our life in a, such a way that when Jesus comes, 
we can say these words right here without shame and guilt. And I believe, um, and I believe that it begins in understanding who we are. Unless I understand who I am, um, I will always struggle with these concepts. I will always have problem and condemnation and live in fear. And um, that will always trouble me. I will never be satisfied. Understanding who we are, and I'm talking about who we are to God, who we are in Christ. Here's what this story is talking about. <clears throat> Peter is asking a question. Is this parable for us or for everyone? And Jesus, without answering him, gives him another question. He means that, I understand that he means, his implication is that this is, applies to everyone. The main point of this story is that the person that is blessed is the one who's doing the will of the master, right? Well, all can agree that the one who is blessed, when Jesus comes, when the master comes, he finds a person that is doing what he was supposed to be doing, right? And that is the person that is blessed. Then there's expectation, right? Then there's expectation. He said, who expected, who was waiting for him? And then there's the faithful or unfaithful manager, um, and a lesson that with increased possessions, fame and influence comes greater responsibility. This parable also talks about that we were entrusted certain things or given, trusted to manage certain things. And like I said already, the first thing that we need to establish is that God is actually pleased with me. That God is not angry with me. That God is not looking um, to find me and reveal my inadequacy. Reveal something about me that will be so shameful that other people will look down at me. And here's what the scripture says. Here's the context of this parable. Verse 24, 12, 24 Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouses nor barns, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? This is the words of Jesus. This is, I did not come up with this. This is the words of Jesus. The value of human being is much more valuable than all the humans. It is much more valuable because only for the human beings God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Not for an animal, not for a bird, but for your and mine soul. For you and for me to have salvation, to have hope, and to be called the children of God, he gave his only son. So the price at stake is very high. This is not to be taken lightly. God is well pleased with people that accept his son 
as their Savior. God is pleased with people that love the Son. And when I understand that, when I understand that God is not standing behind me and looking for me to do something wrong, especially when I fail and fall and stumble for the hundredth time, God is not there to condemn me. What he is saying is that, get up, let me help you. Because I want you to understand who you are so you don't have to fall for the things that you've been falling for before. And when I begin to understand who I am in Christ and who I am in God, the things that used to trap me, the things that used to be deceive me with their glitter, fake glitter, they become dull. They lose their fake, what's the word I'm looking for? They lose their attractiveness. Thank you. They lose their attractiveness because eventually what sin is is a poison wrapped in a nice candy foil. It looks, it looks very good. It's very attractive. But as soon as we take a bite, as soon as a person takes a bite, then comes the death. Then comes the consequences. Realizing who we are and what is at stake is, is going to give us everything that we need. It's going to give us the power and the ability to overcome. Realizing that God is not angry with me. Realizing that God is waiting for me to learn more about Him. God is pleased with His creation. And so here's Jesus tells us about a person who is blessed. He's blessed because he's doing the will of the master. A lot of the times, you know, people want blessedness without doing the will of the Father. You know, we want people to respect us, but we don't give respect to people in authority, like our parents. We want a blessed marriage, but are not willing to walk in purity or wait. We want to be happy and whole but keep looking away from the source of all joy, who is Jesus. And then there's the expectation. The one who expects, waiting in expectation. What, are you, what do you uh, expect today? What do you hope for or dream about? Just ask yourself. This is not something you have to answer to me, but ask yourself. What is my ultimate pleasure, ultimate goal? 
If I would have it today, if I would have it right now, I would be the happiest person. You know, I would be, I would consider myself like I made it. What is that top prize that you strive for in life? Or maybe it's something simple that if you had it, another phone, a nicer car, it would get kind of old over time and you set another goal to reach and then another goal and then another goal. And we keep chasing those goals all our life. We can't keep chasing those goals all of our lives. And life goes by. Here's what Jesus says. Therefore, don't be, therefore, don't be, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Don't stress about it. Where you will eat, nor about your body, where you will put on. Let me paraphrase this or change up the words. Don't be anxious about your life, where you will drive or which stores you're going to be shopping at or what will people say about you. For all of that, for life is more than all of that and the body is more than clothing. And we can scream and say, why not? What is wrong with wanting to be like everyone else and have a good life? Jesus, what's wrong with that? And Jesus answers, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. See, the promise is there. <laughs> We fail to believe. I fail to believe often that God will provide. The promise is there that if you seek the kingdom of God, if you seek Jesus, if you seek after me, all these things will happen in your life. You will get married. You will have a family. You will have a car to drive. You will have a phone that will call and text. Whatever... Your desire is, whatever my desire is, all, the, all of those things that we need to survive, to live, to, to live comfortably, we will have them. But what price are we willing to pay for them? God's invitation is trust in me and all, will, all those things will be provided for you. And we come back to the Jesus does not discourage us from working and providing for ourselves or my family. Absolutely not. But he's warning us of a real problem that they can take us down. The treasures of the heart. That's something that Stan already spoken today. You know, the example of the foolish man, just to jump back, I call it a prepper's nightmare. You know, because that man is just, he said, you know, I have all this abundance. I can store it up. And when there is a nuclear apocalypse, you know, I can, I'll be good. When there is a war happening, when there is something bad happening, I'll be good. And here's the problem with that. Here's the problem of using 
those things for yourself. God-given things only using for my benefit. Here's what Jesus is saying. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, who, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and not his rich towards God. In closing, my friends, I just want to read Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Coming back to the idea or the understanding of who we are. If I understand that I am not just another person that lives life and trying to make it, trying to impress somebody, trying to have a little bit better, something a little bit better, um, but understanding that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we already made it, If I have Christ, I have made it. And no matter what happens to me tomorrow, if I am in Christ today, if I am walking, and if I am content in Christ today, I don't need to worry about anything else tomorrow. Yes, we will have desires. We will worry. We will have things that will throw us out of our place. But if I am Coming back to the place of safety, which is my Lord Jesus Christ. And when I say, how do I come back to the place of safety? It's when I'm pressed, when I'm hard pressed, and I have nowhere to run. I have a choice to give in to some kind of desire to some kind of temporary satisfaction where I can run to the place of safety, stand before God, stand on His promises and His word and say, Lord, I know that you can help me in this situation. I know that you are able to rescue me. You're able to satisfy the need that I have fully. I need your help right now. And God satisfies every desire that we have. And He helps us. He leads us by the hand into the place of peace and joy. And I am a witness of that. Praise the Lord. My dear friends, I am going to be finishing. We're running out of time. So how do we live in such a way way that will make the Master joyful at His coming? Considering my life as a gift from God, seeking the counsel of the Holy Spirit in every decision, seeking to share, serve and share with people instead of storing for ourselves, being faithful and diligent in the little that we have, remembering and reminding others of who we belong to. Help us, Lord. This is the good news that we are predestined and destined for a better future. A future with God, a future full of joy 
and no sorrow. Today we have a little bit of sorrow. Today we have struggles. Today we have to persevere and God helps us on this path. But tomorrow, God is promising that um, He is waiting for us. There is something better for us. There is something that we are looking towards that this earth cannot provide. You know, I'll tell you from personal experience that uh, things, anything that we can try, anything that I've tried, some things that I was hoping and looking forward to, even marriage, um, comes a point where you get used to things. You get used to it. You get used to a new person that you were so excited about to have a relationship with. You get used to, you know, having nice things. And if God is not the center of my satisfaction, I will be greatly dissatisfied. And not a husband, nor wife, nor the shiny newest car will satisfy the deepest desires of my heart. It cannot. It was not designed to satisfy our soul. The only thing that satisfies me is Jesus Christ today. And if we learn that today, the younger I am, if I learn that, I can avoid so many mistakes and I can live happily today in satisfaction and content. And that's my prayer and desire for all of us. Amen? Let's, let's stand up and pray uh, for a few minutes.